Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 17 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the volunteer and outreach director for NOAA Center. Please welcome Paige Schmelzer. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kameno Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I speak with Paige, who is the outreach director from the NOAA Center, and her history with um, animal welfare and her experience in that field is pretty um, big spanning, and we get into all things animals in this episode. So if you are an animal lover, this episode is for you. Uh, she actually got a job at the Woodland Park Zoo when she was only 16 years old. After leaving there, she moved to Kameno, where she became a mom and then a foster for the NOAA Center, and eventually became the outreach director. Uh, like I said, we span all over the place. We also dig into some tips of like how to deal with feral cats and the best way to work around them uh, and to work with them and uh, all sorts of other things. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Paige Schmelzer. Hey, Paige, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. So before we jump into everything, uh, tell us a little bit, little bit about Paige. Uh, so my name is Paige Schmelzer. I am the volunteer and outreach director for the NOAA Center, which is based out of Stanwood, Washington, and it's a fantastic organization. But I'm also a 20-year Kameno Island resident, uh, not cool. born and raised in Kameno, but born and raised in Washington State, based out of Everett, what, what, um, and uh, went to Cascade High School. Um, and I have been here, like I said, for 20 years. It was my first home that I purchased out here when we were looking out uh, 20 years ago when the rates were pretty good. And didn't want to move to Everett? Stay no, Everett. <laughs> no. Didn't, couldn't afford Mill Creek where technically I was based out of. Yep. Um, but I went to Cascade <laughs> before Jackson High was built. And there's my age. And uh, it was a fantastic area out here. And we found a place that we fell in love with on the South End as well. Hey, what up, South Enders? And uh, we've been there ever since. And since I've had my daughter, who's six, and she goes to Elder Bay. So what up, Elder Bay also? All right. Very cool. So <clears throat> starting with Kameno then, what, what actually brought you to Kameno? Besides the awesome home that we found and the fantastic mortgage rate, um, we really liked the community. Uh, it took me a while to have my daughter, but when I finally did, I really liked the school and community base that's out here. It's grown quite a bit. When I moved on the island, there was one light, uh, and now there's a couple. Mm -hmm. uh, there also was no subway. That was big news when it happened, um, and it's definitely grown, but we really love the community and I wouldn't think of moving anywhere else. I'm staying here for life, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's kind of the general feel I get from people as I'm speaking with them, so. Yes. Um, all right, so um, tell us about your animal welfare background. So I, being based out of Mill Creek, um, the only thing at that point that I could do as a 16-year-old girl was to volunteer at the Woodland Park Zoo, and I did that for 10 years. Um, I would go down to Seattle 
every weekend and I would help. First, I started in primates, which I was very lucky to do. And then I got to go to Australasia. And then from Australasia, which is like kangaroos, wallaroos, kookaburra birds, very interesting tree kangaroos. Um, then from there, I helped open the tropical rainforest at the zoo, which is now feels so old that it's been there for so long. Um, but I helped facilitate opening that program. And then um, I went to... What was the last place I was at? Oh, the elephants. Um, before now, they're gone. So um, I facilitated a lot of different programs at the zoo, and I really loved it. Fell in mm-hmm. love with animals at that time. Wanted to be a zoologist. Didn't happen. Uh, became an HR director instead for a nonprofit during that time. Kind of and the then, same thing. yeah, pretty much <laughs> dealing with other animals um, and social services background. And then uh, went to become a stay-at-home mom. And then I became a foster for Noah. And I've been with Noah for six years as a foster mom for kittens because I'm the crazy cat lady of Noah. I have 10 cats. We'll talk about that later. Um, And then I uh, was fortunate enough to apply for the position and get the position once it opened after a year of being a volunteer. Okay. So, So going back to the zoo, what was that like? Working, volunteering, and like, I guess when you're 16, are you just mucking stalls? Pretty much. Um, It was a lot of poo and pee (laughs) uh, dealing with, but I also got to do fun stuff like um, drill uh, logs where I could put peanut butter in them and raisins to give them an activity to do during the day. And they would be picking them out for hours. Um, But that was really interesting. Also being able to facilitate um, throwing food on top of their crate cages um, and just being part of the zoo and that experience was really cool especially at my age now it takes so much to get in to be a volunteer at the zoo I was very lucky at the time again my age that they took people um, based on recommendations and I had a recommendation from my science teacher at the time who advocated for me and said this would be a great student for you guys to have and facilitate a volunteer internship with. And so I was lucky enough to get that and then stay on for that, that 10 year time, which is part of my most favorite time of my life. Um, It was a lot of learning and a lot of education. And I used to go into the schools and do docent work as well. And I went back and gave back to middle schools and high schools and was able to speak to them and advocate to them about animal welfare. And Mm -hmm. I do that now at NOAA as well about spaying and neutering and helping homeless dogs and cats. So it's kind of come for full circle, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, and we, we had a, uh, <clears throat> we had a membership to the zoo, I think last mm. year. And so we'd go there all the time with the kids. And it's yeah. great when you have a membership because you get to go multiple times. Yes. And the like, cost. Well, and <laughs> that, and then also like you can take, you can like plan this great day at the zoo and the animals just didn't show up that day. You got <laughs> so it. You They're got, all like, in the back no. where I got to see them. Yeah. <laughs> we were feeding them too well. Yeah. So. <laughs> or they'd be sick. A lot of the times mm-hmm. the animals would be in the back holding areas because they weren't feeling well or they're possibly pregnant. So they're being, you know, withheld from the public mm-hmm. for those reasons or they're stressed out. Multiple reasons are usually yeah. in the back, but I got to see them, which was awesome. Yeah. And I still got to go in and see them because I know people that are still there 30 some odd years later. So very cool. Yeah. 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 No, it must be incredible to see some of those animals up close. Very cool. Never would dream of being able to do No, that. it was amazing opportunity. Like being able to touch a lemur, a ringtail lemur, mm-hmm. and be that part of experience. Like I got to do that every weekend. And it was just normal. But it's not normal when you're somebody, a guest at the zoo, yeah. being able to be right there and doing it was amazing. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. So where do you think like your love for animals came from? 
Um, I don't know. I've always found comfort in animals. I think that there sometimes when I was going through hard times as a child, my parents got divorced when I was young. Um, I got a cat when they got divorced and that was my safe person, my safe animal. And it was a cat and his name was Shamrock and I love him very much. And he passed away obviously a long time ago, but he was my comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it started there that it was something and someone that would never let me down, never judge me, never do any of those things to me, but always just be there. And so that's why I think I loved animals. It started to love animals and continue, obviously, to love animals. And I'm sh- and I'm sharing that with my daughter. And my husband loves animals just as much as I do. He's my high school sweetheart. We've been together um, for 26 years. Oh, very cool! Congratulations. Um, thank you. 20 years married uh, next year. Um, but I think we we also encourage that with our with our daughter Lily, um, who loves animals just as much as we do. So yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, our um, it's. It's funny, the cycle of animals and mm-hmm. animal lovers and stuff like that. And uh, um, I like growing up, I had a Cocker Spaniel that was like very dear to me. And he um, but like a lot of my friends didn't really like him <laughs> and they always made fun of him. But I loved him. He was he was a great dog. He we, was your friend. Yeah. Eventually we had to get his voice box removed because we moved to a neighborhood, oh, no. an actual neighborhood, not just open property. Mm. Um, so then he was like, you know air barking but you know it was fun so yeah um but yeah so that was that was always a thing for me but um since then like i haven't really we haven't really had an, we've had we have a cat um but we haven't you had can like get a more. dog <laughs> that's what our kid my kids i was gonna say saying. i have i have nine that live inside and one feral on my property and you can always have more than one cat <laughs> yeah our kids keep talking about that um, okay come see me yeah but the the uh my other, one of my daughters is super, like, ever since she was little, like, mm. one of my, so I've got twin girls um, who are cool. eight, and one of them is, likes the idea of animals, but then when like, she gets around them, she freezes up. Aww. And then my other daughter has always loved animals, and just, like, doesn't matter what type of animal, mm-hmm. and it, like, she's tried to save insects, she just loves She's like me, animals. I saved yeah. lizards and all sorts of, in my pond out back when I was growing up, everything, yeah, same thing. Yeah, so she's super That's amazing. animals, and um, ever since she was little, has always been like, so Very can we get cool. a dog now? So we're getting closer to the age where she can take care of it. Yes, so for sure, come point, see that, me. I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> but, um, Have her visit me and I'll help her out. Yeah, well, at least being able to go out and see dogs. And yes, animals, yes, yes, for sure. So no, that's, that's so cool. And it's nice to have kids have responsibility with animals too, Mm -hmm. and be able to take care of them. It's, it's a nice thing to have them learn, take responsibility, have ownership over that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, we had, so we had, um, my youngest is, his name is Wesley, but we call him Beamer. Um, and, uh, he was, we got the, our cat pretty early on with him Mm. and it was really funny. So our kit, uh, our cat we named Gadito, and when he was a kitten, he would just, he was super playful, but like would just attack you when you weren't expecting it. Nice. So we'd go diving out of wherever and just grab onto you and freak nice. you out. But, and then like, <laughs> if you try to pet him, he would immediately flip around and try and claw you like, you know, for yes, playing. that's like love bites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, I have one of those. Our, our kids would be like, I don't know. If yeah, I it's scary. Him. It's scary. <laughs> well, Beamer at the time didn't know better, but somehow there's that connection and like yeah. Beamer could go up to the cat and like completely grab the cat, grab his tail sometimes. And like, 
things that like anyone else did, he would have just lost it and gone after That's you. That's impressive. Like That's his was, person. Yeah, but he would flip around, see it was him, and stop. And yeah. he would see him like dig his claws into the couch or whatever and like oh. not do anything. Yeah. But he would just sit there and like let Beamer like kind of crawl all over. <laughs> it's his person because that's his person. He loves him. Yeah. That's his person. So he's really like, that's, sweet. he's cool. Yeah. He's cool. Anybody so, else will attack him, but yeah. he's cool. Mm-hmm. I have so, one of those cats. Yeah. So it's just really funny, like that animals know, like, oh, this person doesn't know what they're doing, but they're pulling my tail. <laughs> yep. Yep. Especially kids. There's some, mm-hmm. I mean, animals take a lot of abuse sometimes. So, especially with children. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, Shamrock. Um, as a special animal. My shamrock. Um, Do you have other animals that were specifically, like, influential as you were? Well, at the zoo there was. There was a tree kangaroo (laughs) that I really loved named Blue. Um, And Blue and I bonded. Blue was a girl. You wouldn't think that with the name Blue. But she, um, that was the color of her ear tag. They would tag them. They don't do that now anymore. They most likely chip Mm -hmm. instead now. But they used to ear tag um, back in the day when I was at the zoo in the 90s. And her tag was Blue. So her name was Blue. And Blue, um, I got to witness her have her baby. Um, Blue, I witnessed her go through having mates and have them pass away. She was like a, I guess an old friend. And when she passed away is actually when I left the zoo because it was so hard for me to not have her there with that relationship. And Mm -hmm. it hit me so hard. There's a thing called compassion fatigue that a lot of animal welfare folks go through, including myself now. I take on special cases, um, hospice cases of kittens at the facility I work at, at the NOAA Center. And it gets to you sometimes. And that at the zoo was my time to go. And it felt like this was my my parting thing for there. And I do miss it and I love it. And it's something that I would love to go back to one day, maybe when I retire, um, if I move close to Seattle, if I can afford it. (laughs) But I wouldn't want to leave Kameno. Hey, maybe we could have a ferry system, people, and it can go to Everett and then I'll be okay. It'd be closer. (laughs) I would love a ferry. Um, But... It's something that impacted me so much. And still, at, like I said, the NOAA Center, I will take hospice kittens. I have one right now named Luna that are heavy on my heart. She has a disease called FIP, which is something that is a death sentence for kittens. And it's something that she has. There's no test for. There's no cure from. But I'm trying to make her life as comfortable as possible in her final months, weeks, hours of her life. And that's what I take on as a mission now. So it's kind of continued on for me in a different mm-hmm. aspect. I can't take home a zoo animal, even though I really wanted to take home the, the Tamirs. Oh my gosh. If you see golden Tamirs are little cute little monkeys. Um, I probably could have tried to escape one at some point in my bag, but that I would have been caught. Um, but it's nice to have some sort of still helping animals in some capacity mm-hmm. that I still have that aspect of what I'm doing today. Yeah. Very cool. So let's, yeah, let's turn to Noah. How, um, how long have you been involved with them again? For six years. So I started as a foster. I wanted, um, I was a stay at home mom with Lily and my husband was working and I wanted to have baby kittens. I was like, what would be better? I can help. I have my daughter. She can get some kitten love. I can get some kitten love and I'll volunteer. So I started, um, volunteering for Noah six years ago. And then this position opened up, um, because the person was leaving the position. And I said, that would be a fantastic position for me. And I'm already a current volunteer and I have human resource, but also volunteer management experience because I had volunteers at the last place I worked at. And they were like, sure, 
we would love to have you hired me. And I've been there for five years since. So I've been with Noah for a while. We take animals from partner shelters. They don't euthanize for space. That's our mission. So we don't take from the public like CASA does. Um, They do they do public intake. Okay. We only take from partner shelters like CASA mm-hmm. or like uh, Skagit Humane or Everett Humane or Seattle Humane. So they don't euthanize healthy animals for space issues. So if they're getting to the point of taking public animals in, they have space issues, they would possibly euthanize. And in Washington state, we haven't euthanized an animal in the state for quite some time that's healthy and adoptable. Um, and I think that we help with that overflow issue. And so that's our one of our missions. And we also do low income spay and neutering for the public. Um, so if someone's low income, it's sometimes really hard for them to get an animal mm-hmm. spay or neutered, and we provide that service. And we also provide feral cats for free, regardless of income level. So if someone has a free roaming cat on their property, like mm-hmm. I did, um, I trapped him, which we rent traps at our facility. You just have to call and, and be able to rent a trap from us. You can catch that animal. We will alter them for free, ear tip them, rabies vaccinate them, and then you have to re-release them to where you caught them, because again, we can't take them. And they're feral cats, that's their home. That's their community. You don't want to take them from that, but they're not reproducing. Right. So you're helping control the pet population. And that will do for anybody, regardless of income level. Um, but if Bill Gates called me and said he had lots of feral cats, I would like a donation because we're a nonprofit and we're over only private grants and donations is how we stay open and then mostly volunteer driven. So we have over 350 volunteers currently and a hundred of those are foster families. Like I started six years ago. So that's Noah in a nutshell. Okay. <clears throat> so you, and you got started with pet fostering, but then, yes. so you, then you have, that's, that's a lot of volunteers that you have. Yes, we it. do. And that's my job is to Jenga puzzle them in the schedule because we are mostly volunteer driven. Uh, we have volunteer receptionists, volunteer clinical st- assistants. We have volunteers that clean and sanitize the facility every morning, every day. We are open every day. Um, we're open from 11 to 6 during the week, 11 to 5 on weekends. But volunteers come in from 8 to 11 each of those days to make sure our facility looks amazing. And they're amazing volunteers, amazing people our community a lot from Camano and Stanwood, and I appreciate them every day. I am in awe of what a lot of them do for us. Yeah. And so is Noah just based out of Stanwood or yes. is there other? Okay. No, everyone asks us that. I, I wish we had different aspects of locations that we have, but no, we're just based out of Stanwood, Washington. Right off the freeway, we look like a Cabela's, but we're not. We were here first. Um, we've been here for 16 years. We've done over 110,000 spay and neuter surgeries since we've been open and almost 40,000 adoptions. So we're really proud of those numbers too. Yeah. So then, and you end up, so you end up partnering with organizations like CASA and, yes. and all these other mm-hmm. ones. Um, I guess where did, so do you guys become like the, the in-between or how or the overflow or overflow? You, so okay. um, like CASA and other shelters, they're doing so well at adoptions as well, which we do um, as well, is that they're able to take animals from out of state as not just local, they're able oh, okay. to take, because they're contracted, um, CASA, through uh, Island County to take public intake. So if someone finds a stray animal on Camino Island, mm-hmm. they go to CASA. Got they it. can contact them. Hey, I found this animal. It might be an own animal. It might not be an own animal, but they take care of that. At NOAA, we only take from partner shelters for that overflow issue. We can't take from the public, but we do take NOAA animal back 
animals back at any time for any reason. So if someone passed away that owned one of our mm-hmm. adopted animals, we'll take them back. We just have to have space and they need to contact us first before they just bring them to our facility mm-hmm. um, because we do have space issues as well. We're t- we adopt um, most of our animals out within a week of coming into our facility oh, really? okay. and they all get spay and neutered before going home if that hadn't been done prior at the prior facility they were at. Most of our animals come from Washington State, probably about 70 to 80 percent. That other percent comes from high kill, 100 percent kill shelters from California, Texas, Hawaii, um, places that have major pet population issues. Um, So we take from those as well. Got it. Okay. Now, I might be getting these mixed up. Is NOAA... An acronym, or is it? It is okay. So what Northwest is the Organization of Animal Help. I always say I went to work at NOAA, and with my zoo background, people think I'm a marine biologist now or an oceanographer. Um, but I say no, I work for NOAA, and it stands for Northwest Organization of Animal Help. That is the acronym for us. So okay, yes, it's an it. acronym. Nobody knows that now. You know. Okay, very <laughs> cool. Yeah, there's there's a few of those around here. Yes, that, like, there you is. Hear the acronym, and you're like, okay, them. And yeah, you're like, yeah. What does that stand for 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 real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like CASA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I also don't know what they stand for. Camino Animal Shelter Association, I think. Look at me, okay. and it's not even my place. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and, and then what do you see as the future of NOAA then? Um, currently, we're going to be building a new clinic. So we have space on our property, and we have been um, given a, a grant. Um, we're very lucky to have applied for a grant and be able to be facilitated a grant. So on our property, we're going to be um, remodeling or tearing down one of our buildings. We have an event center currently that where that is will go away, and we'll be building a new clinic. We are running out of space. Mm-hmm. We can do as many as 80 cat spay and neuters in a day. Day for a double doctor day at our facility and as many as 20 dogs. And at our location right now, I always think it's magic that they can even do it with the space that we have right now. We are outgrowing our facility. So, right. and we do need more space. If there's any billionaire or millionaires out there, please contact Paige at the NOAA Center. Um, we do need more space at our facility. We would love another pod so we can have another dog enclosure area mm-hmm. to facilitate more animals coming into our shelter. Um, the facility that's our clinic now, which is in our main building, will be repurposed into more of an isolation area for sick animals because we do get sick animals that come from other states and also local, but we have to take care of them so they can get adopted. So we are um, running out of room in those areas as well. We just are busting at the seams and we are a nonprofit, so we make it work, um, but it's always nice to have assistance and help as well. And like I said, we're private grants and donations, so we really appreciate funding and uh, donations from the community, which our community is a very supportive and gracious, which we so support appreciate. Yeah. So then <clears throat> with, with it seem seemingly like there's a large population of animals and things like that, that are, mm-hmm. this is going on. Are there things that um, like within their own household and stuff like that, that families and people can be doing to help kind of with this overgrown. Of yeah. That. Spay and neuter your animals. Number one, number two, adopt from a shelter because any shelter again is going to be taking animals from the streets, a, a local shelter like Casa or adopting from us. Cause we're also taking from those overflow shelters. Then we can just save another life. I think mm-hmm. it's really important. And also if you see a stray animal or you see an animal that's in your community, like I did, it took a long time to get the cat that was on my property, but I tried over and over again. And now I have them all 
sheltered and we took care of him and he was he was not um, doing so hot when we got him into our facility he had abscesses he was a tom that would fight so you know he and he was not neutered so we were able to neuter him and alter him and he looks great now you wouldn't even know you would think he's an owned cat he probably was an owned cat and somebody left him mm-hmm. um, but he's doing fantastic mm-hmm. I call him orangey because um, he's orange <laughs> but we're going to make an outside enclosure for him and he's probably going to still live on our property but that's things folks can do locally mm-hmm. um, especially if you don't alter a stray animal you're going to have a problem really quick with a lot of kitties I mean I love kitties but you're going to have a lot of kitties on your property mm-hmm. and in the community so it's nice to help facilitate that as well so you can stop the pet population issue yeah and what's what is the process like when you get um stray dogs and stuff like that mm-hmm. um what is your process to kind of or do you just do your own assessment of the animal yeah. to see how where they fit best family-wise? Yeah, good question. We actually um, temperament test them and medically assess every animal that comes into our facility. So cats do not get a behavior assessment because they're cats. Um, but dogs do. And there's a, um, it's called a safer assessment that we do. And that safer assessment is by the ASPCA. And it's like a, um, a tag test, a food test, which we have a fake hand that will move the food away. So if the dog bites the hand, it's not biting our hand. Um, But there's things like that that we'll see their behavior wise Mm -hmm. coming into the facility. Now, if we call them, we label them. So it's either a green dog, they pass the test 100% or a blue dog where they failed a portion of the test. Um, My dog that I have, my pug is a blue dog. He bit the hand. Um, He'd probably still bite the hand, (laughs) including me, um, because he's very, he loves his food. Um, He gets that from his mom. Uh, But uh, we do that so we know that dog probably shouldn't go to a home with a young child yeah. or that dog would do best with a child who's older. So for placement wise, we're trying to facilitate that um, the best that we can. We also have a position at our place called a matchmaker and the matchmakers okay. know everything about the animal. They're the voice and advocate for the animal yeah. in our facility because people will fall in love with a picture yeah. and they're like, this is it. This is the one. And, and we go, nah, this dog doesn't like kids and you have kids or yeah. this dog doesn't like cats and it, you have cats. And so we try to make it the best fit yeah. and we'll try to redirect them. Hey, um, because we don't have an application process, which, which some places do, okay. we have that matchmaker that technically is the application process. They're doing that matchmaking like dating interview. Yeah. Hey, what do you have in your home? What are you looking for? And they're help facilitating that. So yeah. we're very lucky we have that position as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. And going back to um, the the dog test, like I, yes. I we had a Cocker Spaniel. We had the My Cocker Spaniel. Uh, and he, you know, we found out after getting him that they're the number one face biters. And <laughs> yes, we're like, are. okay, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know how, you know, much of that is true or whatever. Maybe it's just, you know, ratio wise. Yes. Um, but I definitely got my face bitten a bite. few times. Um, Breed to bite ratio. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Because I was, <laughs> I mean, I was fairly young getting it. Not super young. I was yeah. probably like, uh, what was I? eight or nine when I got him and he was a little mm-hmm. puppy. But yeah, there was definitely times where I was like, oh, I'll just play with him. And like, I would move the food bowl or I would See? pretend like I was going to yeah. eat it. Oh, and he no, no, like, no. <laughs> My pug would attack you, Chester. Mm-mm. Yeah. When it's funny, I'm more scared of small dogs than big dogs. I love pit bulls. I am not scared of pit bulls, but you bring in a chihuahua who's angry and I am scared. Like they are scared little things, furry little things that can come after you. So yeah, yeah, I am much more scared of a small dog than a big dog. Yeah, yeah. So that was definitely like... Oh, that's funny. That, that happened multiple times. 
times, but you <laughs> I'm know, sorry. That was, was my fault. I shouldn't have stuck my know, face right? there. <laughs> so he also, he did the laser pointer thing. So oh, we that's would always have him, fun. We, his one way to wear him out. We just open the dog yard up and then just like shine laser a light around. Po- that's awesome. He'd go flying around the yard and like, yeah. I love great. that though. I love dogs that do that. Not all of them do that, right. but that's very cool. Yeah. No. So it was, it was fun. So, um, okay. Lastly, what is, uh, what what kind of uh, obviously shamrock was a big part of your cat obsession, but then yes. like more recently, how did you end up getting to ten cats? <laughs> because I work at an animal shelter. It's like an alcoholic that works at a bar. I have a problem. Um, I love cats, and I work at a shelter. So there you go. And if there's a sick one or a three legged one or a one eyed one, they break your heart, especially when you foster them and you're like, oh, they fit so well in our family and I don't want to have them go back. And it's just so easy to keep them. So this is what happens. So whenever I tell our foster families that they're going to foster, never take less than two ever because you will keep them. (laughs) This is why I have nine cats. That is my advice to everybody. And especially if they're orange, then I'm done because I have a type five of the 10 are orange. So again, and orangey, the feral is orange. So they're like, of course you're going to keep them. So I, tr- you know, I treat them like one of my own, but it's really hard when they're in your home and to give them back. Now, if you have five or six at a time, you want them to go. Yep. It's a lot. Yeah. And you're like, woo, just take them back. But again, when it's the one that had the leg removal and you're supposed to keep them for, for two weeks and they fit really well in your home, that was paprika for me. She's still with me. So that's what happens. Yeah. So I give advice and I hope it works, but everyone's like, they come to me and they're like, Paige, I foster failed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you foster success. <laughs> Welcome to getting closer to 10. Yep. So Well, that's what my uh, my mom has been a huge animal lover and they currently don't have animals because when oh. she has them, like they're her main focus. Yes. Everything. And yes. so we, um, during the time we had my um, cocker, I was moving out, but um, my sister found a stray, um, we don't, we never found out exactly what it was, but black lab something. Mm. And, um, he was more muscular, it seemed like, than just a standard lab yeah. and not the same temperance of a lab. Mm. Um, but we, we fostered him. He was really like skittish when we first got him Aww. and, um, like did not like men. And yeah, so that happens. something with that. And, um, eventually he grew to like us, but he fell in love with my mom and Aww. they were just going to keep him for until they fed him. Cause he was like bone skinny and yes, like, that happens with what we get to. Yeah. So they, they got him. He was back to health. Um, and she, she was think, in love then. Yeah. So she went to bring him <laughs> back to Casa and dropped him off, you know, signed everything, oh. went home, couldn't sleep that night, was talking See? to my dad all night. And my dad's like, just go get the dog. Then she's like, okay. Know, so right? she went and got the dog. <laughs> I adopted my first dog from Casa mm-hmm. on the island. Cause I moved out here 20 years ago and it was mm-hmm. before Noah was around. Noah was six, you know, is 16 years old. So four years before they even opened. Yeah. Um, so I adopted my first, uh, lab chow something mix named Nellie, yeah. who's passed away since, but she was a fantastic dog that I got mm-hmm. from Casa. I loved her very much. I remember what run she was in and everything still to this day. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, my wife, when we've talked about getting a dog, we've talked about, she's like, well, I want to find a mutt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cause she's just like, there's it, a it, lot it, of places to go yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for that, for sure. So very cool. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Okay. So the first one is, do you have a secret or lesser known location on Camano Island that you like to hang out? Mine isn't a secret. It's always Cama Beach. Always yep. love it. Have loved it ever since I first moved to the island, but just love Cama Beach. Yeah. Hands down. All right. Um, pretend you have a friend from coming uh, coming into town from out of town. 
got to change that question. How that's worded. <laughs> I didn't write it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what would their first day look like here? Uh, I would have them come during the glass quest because I ubi, ubi, ubi love the glass quest. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter is obsessed with it as well. I have still not found a ball, believe it or not. I'm like always a day late or a dollar behind. I always see people get them and I'm like, oh, great. I could have gotten it, but I'm like two seconds too late. So I have purchased them because I'm that person. Yeah. But I will find one one day and I will be super excited. But every year I look forward to it. And one of the gentlemen, because I'm on all the Facebook Glass Quest posts, is doing a Halloween Glass Quest. So I'm super stoked about the Halloween special one that's coming out. Yes. Super excited. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. No, that was... It's, it's a love great it. event. I and, love it so um, much. So yeah. fun. So great for the community, too, because it gets people, so many people from out of state come mm-hmm. here during that time, yeah. and it's bigger and bigger every year. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. And we got to, uh, I got to interview Jessica McCready, who's one of the big proponents of getting that thing going. Yes, it's amazing. It going, so. Amazing job. Ama- I love it for our community. Yeah. I love going to where they do the glass blowing. It's fantastic. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, who is the most interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? So I'm going to be controversial and say Colton Harris, the barefoot bandit, because I have been on the Island for 20 years and nine years in, he was around my neighborhood breaking into places. So I don't even know if his mom's still on the Island. I don't know if he's even in Washington anymore, but I think he would be fascinating to interview because he is a Camino local, if nothing else. Yep. Yep. Well, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll okay, start cool. The... <laughs> Look for him. <laughs> Look for the bare feet. <laughs> All right. And lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard right as you're driving on the island, mm-hmm. uh, what would that say? Uh, probably uh, spay and neuter and adopt, don't shop. Those right. two things, because it's important to spay and neuter animals. Also, Casa's doing a microchip, uh, free microchipping coming up soon. I don't have the date um, in front of me right now, but it's really important to microchip your animals as well so they can be reunited with you. Yeah. If they do go missing or any of those things happen, please look into that. Um, we also microchip at our facility, but you have to um, come in during our business hours to facilitate that or during one of our vaccination clinics. But Casa's doing a free one coming up, so look into that for sure. Okay, that's, yeah, that's that's very cool. And, yeah. and it's neat. I mean, those things are so small and yep. unobtrusive yep. at this point. They so. are. And anybody can read them. Any veterinarian can read them. Any shelter can read them and then get you reunited with an owner, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Paige for joining us on the podcast. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And for uh, notes on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.